You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as this team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, everybody, to episode 67 of Two Goal is One Mike. I am Dwayne Steinel, joined here uh, without Cully. Uh, unfortunately, he's on the ice tonight, couldn't make it, but fear not. We do have a special guest, uh, not a guest host, but just a guest, um, good friend of my, myself and the program. We have Dennis Denny Canfield, uh, former junior scout, uh, junior coach, uh, very well connected in the junior hockey community, uh, very good friend, uh, also uh, uh, owner and lead at 716 Sports Management. If you want to get a hold of him, just reach out to him on any of his social media platforms. At Denny Canfield, as you can see right there on the screen, at Denny, D-E-N-N-Y, Canfield, C-A-N-F-I-E-L-D, or just e- email him at 716sportsmanagement at gmail.com. Danny, thanks for joining me, man. I know we've tried a few times to get this done. Uh, thanks sure. for the patience, buddy. Hey, no problem. Hey, by the way, still two goalies, one Mike, right? Former goalie yeah, right. as that's well. That's right. Yeah, that's right. right. So, so a lot of you know the alumni back in the house here, and uh, so it's exciting to to get a chance to come on and have a have a, a talk with you. Enjoy the show. Absolutely, man. And again, thanks for uh, coming on with us. Uh, again, I appreciate. It. It's unfortunate that uh, Cully could not join us. Um, but, you know, with that being said, again, man, I appreciate it. Um, we're, one of the things we are here to talk about, uh, first and foremost, and I think is bigger than hockey in itself, um, obviously, is Matisse, uh, Matisse Kimelix, the uh, your former friend. And, uh, you know, you coached him in junior hockey. You helped uh, really bring him along in hockey. Um, you know, you're obviously uh, – his story has really captured the, uh, the hearts of a lot of the hockey community uh, around the country, around North America, around the world. Let's be, let's be real. Uh, he was uh, a native of Latvia. Uh, just, you know, he's really, 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 uh, his story is really captivating. And you, you're one of the guys who had a very close personal relationship coming into hockey, uh, into the league. And, uh, you know, you helped him get to where he ended up, you know, you know, coming in maturing and becoming a professional goaltender. So I just wanted to kind of give you the stage here to help you tell his story because, yeah. you know, it's a story that needs to be told. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. It's, um, you know, it's a tough time. Uh, obviously, uh, here we are just, uh, you know, it's been a week since his passing and um, still some some details kind of coming in from Columbus, you know, about the, you know, the services and different things. And, you know, I feel for his mother having to, you know, his family having to come over from, from Riga. No, go ahead, and- go ahead. My TV randomly turned on. I apologize. I can hear it in the background. <laughs> right. going no, on worries. I, no worries. No we'll, worries. We'll we'll just. Uh, but no, just you know, talking about um, you know, it's been a tough week, and 
and obviously, um, you know, words can't really put into, um, uh, you know, properly display emotion or anything like that for how everybody's feeling right now, especially myself. But, you know, tough time. Like I said, we're trying to figure out what's going on in Columbus. Obviously, his mom's over overseas trying to get over here from from Latvia. It's such a tough time for her and her family. But, you know, this thing with uh, Matisse, you know, I was real privileged to have a chance to to, to kind of coach him and befriend him and, and take him into, you know, the, the goalie, uh, you know, guild that we all share and love and uh, the passion for the position. And, you know, I, I uh, uh, the first day I ever saw him was him I think, uh, early 2014 and um, got a chance to see him in Minneapolis. I was actually took a job out in Minnesota. There was a couple of jobs at the time uh, that I was looking at uh, in, out in uh, Minnesota and, uh, junior jobs and walked into a rink. He was playing a playoff game uh, for, for the Adina Lakers at the time. And, you know, this big, tall, lanky kid, I walked in and met the owner and I said, Hey, I I'm going to watch the game. I'll talk to you after the game. We'll kind of see. And I was kind of leaving halfway through that game. I to love that take, story. To take another job. Right. And, uh, and then, or to, to interview for another job. And when I was kind of sitting there, I, maybe a couple seconds in 30 seconds into watching this game, this kid's, this kid's just unreal. And, and, uh, you know, the next thing I know, I, you know, I kind of turned to the folks that I was with and I was like, you know, this kid's going to play in National Hockey League. And it was just one of those moments. I'll never forget it. Uh, watched the rest of the first period, walked downstairs, walked up to the owner um, and just said, hey, I, this kid's, this kid's unbelievable. He's going to play in the National Hockey League. I don't know who this kid is or where he came from, but if this kid comes back, I, I'll take this job. And, you know, and the rest is history. We got a chance, got him to, to re-sign and, and come back and, um you know, we were really blessed to have him. I think that second year he played 33 games for us, uh, was an all-star, you know, ended up uh, going over to, to Latvia. Uh, excuse me. I think they went to, I want to say somewhere, maybe it was Turkey. I think they were, no, Asiago is where they were, excuse me. And, yep. um, you know, won a world championship, propelled his U20 team into, you know, the top division with the Americans. You know, the guy was MVP and player of the game. And just, you know, and then the secret was out about how special this kid was, but, you know, I had a chance to spend a lot of time with him personally and he actually, you know, lived with me, uh, you know, later on in the season and we trained together and, um, you know, and then he ended up actually went from tier three hockey to an NHL rookie camp. And, you know, he, he went to Waterloo and the USHL and Waterloo skated with him and they ended up not taking him. And to this day, I still joke around with Steve Howard, my, my good friend who's coaching the Austin Bruins now in the North American League that, you know, he ended up going to the USHL uh, a few years later as the MVP and beat Waterloo. And I always joke with Steve and he always says, yeah, we, we probably should have taken him. Um, but just a special kid, Dwayne. And, um, you know, I was really I was blessed and privileged to have, have known the young man and spent a lot of time with him, very close with him. And, um, you know, it's really hard. on I know everybody in the hockey world because he's such a great personality, a big smile, all the things that you hear in the NHL, Nick Foligno and all these guys talking about, you know, and Elvis, these guys, his teammates, how great of a teammate he was. He was. He was just a great person and big smile and gregarious personality is kind of how I like to say that. Um, great teammate and uh, just a great person. And, you know, I'm fond of we, – we laugh about the moments you and I have talked off camera about some of the things that, you know, he lived with me and some of the fun things he did. And, yeah. you know, I've seen these quirky pictures of him in the gym and just he was always smiling and doing dumb things and – you know, it was just really important to me and my family. My dad was there, uh, uh, and our, my good friend Scott Halverson were there when he made his, you know, his AHL debut. I got a chance to see him in Buffalo when he got a chance. He called me uh, making his debut or second start 
excuse me, against Buffalo. Uh, got a chance to be there for that. Uh, drove through the night to get there and just special times with a special kid. Um, I was there when he lost game seven to USHL. Um, how excited he was when, you know, he called to tell me he was signing with Columbus. I got a chance to be a part of that before anybody else knew when they all flew down. You know, we kind of talked about that the other day and what a special moment uh, for me. And um, I did kind of pick her out, pick on him a little bit. You know, when we lost game seven. Uh, I think they lost to Chicago Steel at 17. He was the MVP and unanimous goalie of the year, uh, of the year that year. Uh, but I think a fourth liner had taken a shift at like three periods, jumped off the bench and threw a CNI puck through a leg and <laughs> beat him in overtime. And kind of like to pick on him a little bit about that over the years. But um, uh, special talent, special kid, and definitely destined to be an all-star down down in the near future. Uh, you know, unfortunately, this tragedy kind of derailed that, obviously, and it's 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 really sad. You know, it is. And I've been scrolling through these pictures that you, you you personally sent me. And one of the things that I've heard through a lot of the interviews and just obviously seeing the pictures is the first thing you do notice about him outside of just the size is that smile, that yep. blonde hair and that smile. And he's huh. just like, I've seen videos, you know, his reaction to his first uh, NHL win against the Rangers, yeah. just everything. The kid just smiled. And he yeah. was happy and he was, he was humble and he was, you know, he felt fortunate to be where he was and he wasn't taking things for granted. And yeah. he was really taking it in moment by moment. And I, you know, just, you know, I remember when me and you were golfing, we were going to go golfing when you got the news and you could really see it in just the way you reacted. Cause obviously there's no way to react to something like that. No. Like you said, he lived with you for a short period of time yeah. and you know, you helped discover the type of talent that he was and you sure were the did. first guys in North America to see how talented he was. Um, it's just you saw in your reaction and just the passion you were you, you were you know showing through that reaction like how great of a kid this was. Yeah, it's really tough. I I think um, you know because he was more like a son to me, right? Like I mm -hmm. I think um, you know coaches build relationships with goaltenders and and all their players really, but um, I think at our level at the junior level, you know he's a kid that came over from Latvia, paid to play two years in a row. And within two, I think two years later, he's in the USHL and he's going to the National Hockey League. It just doesn't happen, right? It's it's a very unheard of story. It took the longest route possible to get here, got cut from multiple North American League teams. Um, and to see him achieve his goals and such and then um, be so close, right? This year he was going to be a number two in Columbus. You know, obviously his best buddy is Elvis and he lived with he and his, him and his wife. And, uh, you know, probably one of those guys, him or Corpy, would have been traded this year and Matisse would have probably taken that second rung. Uh, and really been an everyday NHL guy uh, to see that cut short. And obviously you were there when in the, in the early moments of that, it was devastating. Um, yeah. 24 years old, just a kid. Um, you know, I just talked to him a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, he's always asking how my dad's doing. And obviously he showed that one picture of my dad and I gave my dad the hard hat after we beat the mm -hmm. Rochester Ice Hawks. I, you know, I think uh, as we all get older and we grow up and, you know, we, you know, we, 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 have families of our own and such when you don't have family of your own. And even when you do, you, you, you take, you take to some of these kids and, you know, they become, you know, like your own and you take them under your wing and, you know, to see him achieve his NHL dreams and then uh, to see it ripped down so abruptly uh, on something that really was a freak accident that it had nothing to do with him. He had no control over, you know, it's devastating. And uh, spent a lot of time this week in the national media talking about who he was as a person and, 
you know, he was the same at 16, 17 as he is at 24 when, and you know, that smile. And like, like Nick said, like, he's like, he just loved being in the national hockey league. He, he loved chasing his dreams. And, um, you know, I think that that's, that shows the kind of person he was. He never forgot where he came from, treated, um, you know, the players at our level and coaches at our level, all the same. And, um, you know, he was the kind of guy that treated the equipment guy the same as the head coach all the way through. And, you know, someone working in the, you know, a secretary with the club or someone doing the travel. He was always just really polite, fun to be around. And he just he's just really enjoyed his life. Yeah. Um, that's again, I, you've heard that saying so many times. That's, that's, those are those are the people you want to associate yourselves with. Those are the people you want to work for, the people who treat the janitor as well as they do like the CEO, you know, like, you know, guys who make the rounds around the building, say hello to everybody, ask them how their family's doing, how their kid's doing. And just like you said, that's the type of kid Matisse was. He he was interested in you as, as a person. Um, And, you know, that's what made me lock onto the story more so than the Mm -hmm. fact that it was a fellow goaltender and not more so than the fact that it was somebody that was important to you. It was just, you know, again, you know, you don't ever expect, um, somebody of his age to ever lose their life this early, but just Thank to have you. it. Yeah. Just you know, a friend of the program here, Sean uh, from point shot uh, podcast. Uh, he's up. You never, you know, he, 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 he lost his life before he really get started. Yeah. You're going and he had, he, there was a lot, a lot to, to feel good about when it came to Matisse and just yeah. the direction he was heading. I know yeah. at the expansion draft, there was a lot, you know, are, is Columbus going to trade Corpus Allo or Elvis? Are they going to, are they going to expose a guy like Matisse? But you know, it, regardless, man, whoever ended up with Matisse was going to end up with an absolute guy who could play in this league for 12 to 15 years and be a very yeah. good starting goaltender. Yeah. I thought he was a guy that was destined to be an NHL all-star. And I, and, and to be quite frankly, honestly, I think John Davidson and his staff probably knew that down there too. And they had an abundance of goalies there. Look, selfishly, I was, hoping he'd come to Buffalo, right? I mean, it's been a long time yeah, since we've right. had a number one here. And, you know, since Ryan Miller and no disrespect to the guys that we've had come through here over the years, you know, I'm from Buffalo like you and we're passionate about Buffalo sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was really um, excited to hopefully see him come here because I knew what he would bring to that locker room and such. And, uh, you know, I talked with, uh, you know, Mitch Korn, longtime NHL or Stanley Cup champion. I, I grew up training with Mitch and Mitch has been with some of the best coaches in the NHL. And, you know, and he uh, flat out told me, he said, look, you know, he's a guy that he, he probably doesn't go in the expansion draft. They probably trade one of those guys and he would have been an everyday guy in the NHL. And that's a guy I value, right? I value his opinion. And uh, and they all talk. All those coaches talk. And, you know, so at the end of the day to to, to, to kind of, you know, the sad part is he was he was available. Right. Like, I, I think that, uh, you know, there was some behind the scenes scuttlebutt back there kind of talking about, you know, through some people that I knew, hey, yo, is this kid going to come to Buffalo and whatnot? And but I would have, to me, he was a guy that a franchise could have really built around. Uh, didn't come with the baggage, didn't come with the 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 ego, didn't come with those type of things. Uh, and I really think that 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 would have been somebody that, yes, he could fit in anywhere, but especially here at Buffalo, I think he would have he would have made a really good fit in that locker room when we really need some leadership like that at this time. Absolutely. Um... You hit the nail on the head there too, with the fact that we've been lacking a goaltender since Ryan Miller left and does not. I think I think I mentioned to you the, the the number of goalies that have started since for this franchise since we lost since since we traded away Miller. It's like close to thirty when yeah. the number between Hashik and Miller was four. 
So it was a position I've always thought we were pretty spoiled at for a long time, close to three decades. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, we obviously hold that position to such a high standard because we had such great goaltending for such a long time. Your your, your bridge between Hashik and Miller was Marty Baran. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And we we still had Baran while we had Miller. And it's just, uh, you know, you, you haven't had that answer and that and you think about a kid like Matisse and what he's like his ceiling and what he could have given to a franchise and just you know every single game he's gonna play his heart out you know because he's hum again he's humble yeah he's, and he's just happy yeah he's happy to be there and you yep. know he's gonna work hard he's gonna give it well, out everything he has at every practice and I think he too Dwayne he worked you know listen I, I I'm a I don't know how everybody else feels about it in Buffalo but I've always been a really big John Tortorella fan and and uh you know, torts, torts either love him or hate him. Uh, but uh, Matisse, you know, worked hard for him. And, and uh, you know, I, I just – I think torts really brings uh, – you know, puts the pedal to metal on guys and tries to bring the best out of them early in their career until they can mature into to really good pros. But, you know, he just came with very little baggage and just had, a, had an excellent work ethic about him and appreciation, nothing handed to him. But he learned from two really good goaltenders and Alvis and Corpy and, uh, you know, guys that are, you know, bona fide starters on, on any teams in the National Hockey League. I think we can all agree on that. And, um, you know, so he had a really good pedigree in front of him and uh, to learn from and, and to kind of take that torch and go on and do his own thing. And, um, you know, so I but, you know, the thing about Matisse was he was, he, you know, he's, you know, he's not prototypical. He's a decent sized kid. You know, he, he had but he was tall and lanky. You know, he had great edge work, could get across the crease, you know, got, you know, was real good in RVH, had a good, had good, you know, had good hips. You know, he had a lot of flexibility in his, in, in his lower body. And he was, he was, he was really good on battling for pucks. And I think in today's game, the lateral game, the East and West game and being so technical, uh, you know, that was the type of goaltender that I thought, uh, you know, we needed to get here in Buffalo and, you know, anywhere else. So, but that his feet were, I mean, the term NHL feet, right. That's a term that, that goalie yeah. guys use. Right. And, and he had NHL feet the day I saw him and, you know, everybody just missed him. And listen, I'm, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here, but when, when that kid was the best player on the ice in any game we ever went to any time I ever coached that team. And uh, that's not always the case. Usually there's a better player or maybe a goaltender here. But, you know, we had an advantage just walking in the rink because we had that guy. And, you know, someday we're going to find that here in Buffalo, eh, boys. But, uh, I, you know, unfortunately <laughs> it's not going to be with Matisse, and that's sad. But, you know, um, you know, but he, he was something special. He, he was, too, just looking at his numbers here, uh, going back to – we'll go back to, you know, 2006, 2017 with the Sioux City Musketeers. 1.85 goals against in 49 yep. games played the next year in the AHL with the Cleveland Monsters. I mean, yeah, he, it's his first year pro. So, a ton of games. You know, you know, a ton of games, 43 games played, 3.21 goals against, mm-hmm. a 900 save percentage. Then, you know, at the internet, you know, he goes back to Cleveland again the following year, yeah. uh, roughly right around the same year, but in the ECHL the next year with Kalamazoo, mm-hmm. 2.7 goals against. Columbus played six games, mm-hmm. a 2.9 goals against, and a 900 save percentage. Not bad for your first six games in the national, man. Oh. And especially, again, uh, on, a, on a team with Columbus who's always kind of back and forth with how good they are in, in, in the national. It's just They're not – they always seem like they're on the cusp, but never really – you know, they're always – they're a John Tortorella coached hockey team, you know, yep. and I think over the last like, you know, five, six years, these elite hockey players, they don't really appreciate, I guess, his style of coaching, which again, you know, is debatable. I, I, I like sure. Tortorella myself, sure. I, you know, I know, like you said, not many people are a big fan, but you know what? 
the kid performed admirably in his first year pro in six games played, went back to the AHL uh, with Cleveland, took what he learned, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in 20 games at 2.9 uh, goals against. Um, and then in Latvia, really out, you know, shined in the world championship. Absolutely. And um, had a 2.1. Shout out Canada this year. Yep. Yeah, the yep. 2.18 goals against a 9.22 save percentage. Absolutely monster numbers for a kid of his age and a yeah. kid that you know was going. It was going places. He yeah, was. and you know when he was with when he was with Sioux City, you know he got taken. It's, it's a rarity. He got took I think fifth or sixth overall, and the Sioux City traded up to get him. Knew some guys inside that association that had been friends of the program that we were with before. I think uh, and uh, traded up to get him behind the scenes quietly, and, and I think fifth or sixth overall, and they traded their picks to get up just to grab him, and then uh, you know, he ends up being a unanimous goaltender and player of the year and to my knowledge i don't think that ever happened in the ushl and i think he's one of only two sioux city guys to go directly from there into an nhl deal um so uh don't quote me on that but i'm pretty positive of that last statement but i mean either way i mean unanimous player of the year and goaltender of the year um you know he you know obviously columbus flew down you know obviously john davidson and the entire staff they flew in there to meet him and you know he signs that that uh you know four-year deal and you know, he was coming up on a contract year, and I think that Columbus was really ready to say, okay, we're ready to give this kid, you know, an opportunity to run with it. And that's why they gave him that, that you know, the bump games at the end of the season. Yeah, there were throwaway games against Detroit there, but, you know, the kid worked hard. He deserved it, and, you know, he, he played pretty well in those two games. And, um, you know, he was really looking forward to, when you look at his last interviews, he was really looking forward to what this next year was going to bring for him. And, uh you know, it's just it's just disappointing that a talent and a star like that's kind of burned out so early and 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 tragically. I agree, man. It's uh, again, really, you look at all the stories that were shared this week and just or this past two weeks. Yep. And just you see Elvis's message. You know, all the heartfelt things he had to say yep. about Kibby. You know, and all the like the the shrines that were made for him. Um, it's just you know, it's really heartbreaking, man. Yeah. Um, and it's not even just as a goalie. Just yep. as a human being to see somebody's life cut so short, man. And it's just, and you, and you know what, too, Green, that's, that's, that's so typical of the hockey world and our hockey community, how, how small it is, it is and, and, and the people showing up in droves and, you know, the moments of silence and obviously NHL. And I think people from around the world can really feel the pain uh, that the people that really loved him and cared about him. Mm -hmm. I feel for the Columbus Blue Jackets and that staff and those people there, and not just because they lost a, a goaltender, but because of, you know, they lost a friend. They lost someone that was close to him, part of their family. I mean, hockey's a big family. I know other sports are close too, but, um, you know, I, I've been coached for 15 years, scouted at every level. And, um, you know, when you lose somebody like that so close to you, it, John Davidson said it best, it's going to stay with them forever. And, um, you know, I it'll either be a moment for Columbus to rally around next year or it'll hang with them and kind of weigh them down. And that's something that hopefully that locker room can, can figure out and, and, and the maturity of the veteran guys in there and, you know, the Cam Atkinsons of the world and the Felinos of the world can kind of, you know, take that with them, but, uh, and, and help the team through it. But, but I'll tell you what, it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's heartfelt. To, it's, it's, it's hard pressed to put it all into words. And then you, you see all these, you know, the, the memorials and the different things and the stories and Elvis, you know, he, this is the first summer to my knowledge, even in talking to Matisse that he stayed here. Usually he would go back to Latvia, you know, he's, his mom lives in Riga and stuff. And, um, you know, people don't know this, but I mean, I think there's just a million, million and a half people that live in Riga. You know, there's a very small country or Latvia, excuse me. It's a very small country. And, um, 
you know, so this was the first summer he was living with Elvis. He's staying here and obviously going up to train up in uh, Detroit there, um, you know, with, with, with his coaches. So it's uh, yeah, it's, 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 you don't know how to put it into words, right? Like you're, you were going golfing, you know, on, on a, on a, you know, with a bunch of buddies. And then, you know, my uh, fiance calls to tell me that, uh, you know, Hey, I got bad news and I was, you know, terrified. And then you, that gets dropped on you and it's, it still weighs really heavy. I mean, the national media is called all these things. Obviously, the, the Columbus Dispatch, I think we were talking about it earlier, is going to put a story out, uh, I think, on Wednesday. Yep. It, it usually is an 800 to 1,000 words, and and this thing is going to be 4,000 words. I mean, that's how important it was to the people down there and his story. And, you know, and one other thing, like, let's think about it. All the kids that watch your show or anybody that watches your show, like, every kid wakes up every day and says, I want to, I want to play in the National Hockey League. I lived that dream. So did you, and so did everybody else. Yep. And – you know, we chase those dreams around and, you know, this kid lived that dream, right? I mean, he paid yep. to play tier three junior hockey for two years. And within two years, signs a $2.5 million contract with the Columbus Blue Jackets. It, it's a story that's unheard of at any level. He's not just an undrafted free agent because, you know, he didn't go to the division one route, right? And people forget that he had a division one offer at uh, Minnesota state Mankato, um, and he chose not to do that and go the other route. But, I mean, man, tier three hockey to the NHL, um, you know, he was something special. Yeah. And, um, again, it's it, – it, you know, I just – I'm kind of like scrolling right now through all these pictures um, mm -hmm. trying to um, – I'm trying to bring up right now. Here we go. Finally got it. His first start here in yeah, Buffalo. I took that um, picture, yeah. I was, you know, I was trying to find – I was trying to find okay. it there. Um, just, you know, how important um, that moment must have been for you, obviously, yeah. to be able to see him, you know, don a Blue Jackets jersey in person, you know, realize in that. In Buffalo, exactly. Yeah. I Yeah, I got a call the night before. I, I kind of picked on him when he had made a start versus the Rangers because it was kind of a spot start, right? And you see the videos out there. He wasn't expecting mm -hmm. to make that start versus the Rangers. And, uh, you know, he kind of had – there were some injuries there, and it kind of threw him into the fire. I didn't get a chance to, unfortunately, go to that game. I did pick on him afterward. You know, hey, I wish you would have uh, given me a heads up. He's like, I barely knew. And so when he was making the start with Buffalo, um, he was uh, on basically uh, a few hours uh, – I think it was a three-hour flight. Torts told them, and it was ten thirty at night, uh, and I was actually on the bench coaching a, a junior game. And he he reached out to me and says, "Hey, I'm going to go tomorrow at noon in Buffalo." And uh, I turned to the guys on our bench and you know our other staff. And I said, "I got to get there." And I drove through the night to get home and was at that game. And I took that picture. And of course, we all remember it's the only time I ever wanted Buffalo to lose, Dwayne. The only time, right? I'm a huge Bills saver guy. It's the only time I want him to lose, and. Uh, Eichel uh, in OT. Actually, Columbus was up uh, one nothing late, and um, and then uh, I think uh, shoot, I can't remember who tied it for the Sabers, but Eichel ended up scoring that goal where he walked off the high circle in overtime yeah. and wired one over his shoulder. And it was the only time I was ever uh, kind of upset that uh, um, you know Buffalo would win. You know, it's the only time I'd ever want him to lose. I wanted the kid to get a W with me being there, but. No, it was really special. I, you know, to get a chance to get there to see him, and um, you know, but but at the end of the day, like any other proud coach, I think it means a lot more based on uh, that it was in Buffalo, and you know, my family and I got a chance to, you know, at least say, hey, that that's our kid, right? That's our guy, and um, you know, and that's really important to coaches and stuff, and you know, and, and all the people that love him and cared about him.
um, there wasn't a more deserving person in the entire world um, to get this opportunity. No, you're, you're not wrong there, man. And um, I actually remember a couple of those games he played because when you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, you kind of come become, you know, you're kind of forced to just follow yeah. hockey as a whole because sure. like, your team is just becomes unbearable to watch. And I remember I've always been so jealous of the system of goaltenders that Columbus has had, mm -hmm. honestly, starting with Corpus Allo and, and, and Elvis and then reading right, leading right down to Matisse. Just like, mm -hmm. I always like, man, like, there's no way they're going to hold on to all three of those guys. Like Buffalo yeah. needs to be all over that. It's just, you know, it's so, it was so disappointing. And now obviously that kind of throws Columbus in a little bit of a jam because I'm assuming they were planning on either exposing Matisse or keeping him around and trading yeah. one of those two guys. And now they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard. Yeah. I, I really think they would have probably traded um, one of their guys first. I think there's a high market value for Corpy, a, you know, a bonafide Juan and Elvis. I think they're guys out there. And if you know that Matisse is going to be ready to be a number two, you're going to be able to kind of put him in and, um, you know, plug him in as a two and get some value out of, you know, a, of, of a high level prospect that you have and then kind of rebuild your system. Um, but it was, I mean, let's be honest, if, if Seattle had a shot at him or maybe Columbus made a deal with Seattle where, you know, people forget this, maybe they make a deal with him. Hey, don't take any of our guys and we, you know, we'll do this and we'll do that for you. I mean, you never know right behind the scenes, how that all works. Like, uh, um, because then that way they have trade capital and, could go out and make some moves. But like I said, I, I, I talked with, with, you know, Mitch Korn after, you know, the evening, a uh, couple nights after passed away. And, um, you know, he flat out told me, he's like, I don't think he would have went to Seattle. I think he'd have been a number two and they would trade one of the other guys. So that's coming from one of the best in the business. And, you know, like I said, I really value his opinion on that. Yeah. And like I said, any, any, ch any child of the corn, Honestly, yeah. That's uh, right. That's, that's, that's right. how you put it. Yeah, you're always, you're a child of the Yeah, exactly. Especially <laughs> yeah. in your Western New York. Sure. Um, but you know, transitioning from that, obviously, yeah. you know, um, you know, I, I wanted to spend as much time as we possibly could on that. Uh but we, I appreciate uh, that. And yeah, I think you know, would appreciate that as family. You know, I want I wanted to give you your stage here and make sure that you, you know, you had because I know how passionate you are about him and just I his am. career and just, you know, that meant a lot to me. And I'm so happy we were able to have this conversation. I appreciate um, that. Transition to that uh, before we wrap up here. I definitely want to nice. go and you uh, obviously today was full of a lot of NHL news. You saw Duncan Keith traded to the Edmonton yeah. Oilers where Edmonton for some reason had to give up. Uh, it was a Caleb Jones and a pick for, for Duncan Keith. Uh, Crazy. Uh, yeah. Blackhawks won on that one. In my opinion, they get rid of the contract and, and they uh, and they uh, uh, gain assets. Um, you saw that. Um, you saw Pierre Maguire hired as I think senior VP of player development for Ottawa. Mm -hmm. I know Pierre De Pierre Maguire gets a lot of crap uh, for um, the, you know lot, you know for maybe his uh, on air antics or some of his catchphrases and whatnot. But I think it's a great hire by Ottawa in my opinion. Um, also, bigger news: yep. the parade in Champa Bay. Yeah, so, Champa uh, Bay, man. Champa Bay. And, don't, don't, uh, don't, I'm not wearing blue for any other reason. Yeah. I'm just because I'm a blue oh, guy. But I, Champa Bay, man. Tampa Bay back to back, uh, <laughs> winning the cup. Um, yeah. Obviously, those fans down in Tampa Bay and Florida, uh, very, very, very spoiled. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunate. You know, unfortunate for uh, Montreal. You know, it was just, they were just too much, man. 18 yeah. million over the cap or not? Even if they were at the cap, that team was just oh. too good. Yeah, I don't know if, you know, the, the, the thing is in the NHL, I mean, people forget, right? That rule's been in place since 2000, I think, five, right? It's not like that rule just came up, right? So you, you can't, you know, listen, 
was he hurt? Yeah, he sure he was. He, you know, there were some injuries there and, and I, look at good on them. You know, they, they, they got, I mean, he's one of the best in the, in the world. I think what, 2017, uh, you know, MVP, right. If I'm not mistaken or 19 and, um, you know, good on them. And, but Tampa Bay was so deep, right. I mean, they're the only team in the NHL that, you know, they had four lines that could score, right. They had six, seven D that could play, um, you know, the left-handed D were superior, uh, which added a ton of versatility on a power play in the special teams. And let's be honest, Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the world right now. Yep. I mean, based yes. on how he played. And, uh, you know, and so I, I mean, on that, right, we kind of had talked earlier in the series. I, it, you know, it was a disappointing, uh, you know, Stanley Cup final. Um, I know, especially for the folks in Montreal. And listen, we, we all grew up here in Buffalo, the, the Sabres, the Bruins, the, the old, the old rivalries, you know, and I, I was happy to see that the, the, the that Canada had a, had a team in the finals again, first time since, since 92. Right. And so, mm -hmm. um, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, I just think that they, they've got some work to do. You know, they got some young guns in Montreal, Caulfield, and those guys are going to be really darn good hockey players. Um, you know, carry price 14 years in the, in the league, a little long in the tooth. You know, I, I, I know how much you respect him and want to, you know, view his game, but yeah. you know, he just wasn't good in that series and, and, uh, not, not good enough no. No, no dis, no disrespect uh, to to the guy that I that I think is a is a surefire Hall of Famer, and but um you know there were some saves he's got to have back, and he's got and listen, I always told you like I I we've talked off you know like Grant Fear was a great goaltender. I know you had Grant on this, this show before, but Gretzky and those guys all tell you it wasn't because Grant would 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 stop every puck. It's when he made his saves, right? It's yep. you know what's the, the next save is the most important save, and you know I just didn't think they the, the Canadians got that. Uh, from carrying that series, and I think that that Tampa was way too much. Uh, their power play was excellent. Uh, you know, created a lot of second and, and third chances. And listen, Montreal didn't score a lot of goals going into that series either. And to be quite frankly honest with you, too, looking at you know the the the, the teams that Montreal played coming out, you know, obviously, look, they were better than the teams they played in in, in the Canadian division, and then they finally run into a pretty darn good you know club. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't say better, but, you know, I didn't think, you know, I thought they were better in Winnipeg and, you know, and then, um, you know, and then you see the, you know, they had, they had a good series against, um, against Vegas there, but, you know, Mark Stone, let's be honest, didn't show up in that series. And I think if Mark Stone shows up in that series that then probably Vegas goes to the Stanley cup. And that was a matchup I really wanted to see. I don't know about the rest of your viewers, but, um, but listen, Kerry, Kerry's, Kerry's an all-world goaltender, and he'll be back. Uh, but they got to add some more offense around him. Corey Perry's a thousand years old. You know, Stalzy's old. You know, they got a lot of guys out there, veteran players, and good, good locker room guys. But they got to find ways to start putting pucks in the net. And uh, you know, when you take the look at it, we look at Tampa Bay. When Stamkos can be Stamkos, and Kucherov can be Kucherov. You know, and Braden Point's playing well, and some of these guys, and you got a headman back there. I mean. And, and everybody does their role and everybody picks up their slack in a timely manner, you know, that's, that's a Stanley cup champion. Right. And would it, would it really surprise you or any me or if any of your viewers, me, you or whoever, if Tampa Bay won three in a row, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, you know, so that's, that's where that is. And as far as, you know, the Duncan Keith thing, you know, I, listen, I like Duncan Keith, but I think that contract was extremely overloaded. I think it's a good move, uh, for Chicago. Um, uh, Definitely surprised. I know you said that too. You were like, "Well, this is crazy here," uh, but I think it's uh, probably good for both parties. But man, I always enjoyed Duncan Keith. He's he's a he's a true champion, uh, and you know, wish you know, love to see him continue his career out there in, in Edmonton. But um, 
you know, and then as far as Pierre McGuire goes, you know, like Pierre's a different guy. Uh, but I got to tell you, he, people may say the things they say about him and he, you know, he's, he, the way he addresses people or his jokes or his drop-ins or whatever you want to say, but the guy knows hockey. And one thing I do know is he's very passionate and he's also very heartfelt and you can see that. And anybody that, that, you know, they're, they're, he's got great relationship with a lot of people. And, um, you know, I think he's going to do a heck of a job there. You know, people forget he used to be what the, the, the GM of the Hartford Whalers, if I'm not mistaken, the last, uh, he was their last GM, uh, back in the day and uh, GM and head coach, I think he was at one point. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do there. I, you know, I'm disappointed to, to, to not see him on NBC anymore. Maybe he's going there, Dwayne, because NBC doesn't carry the carry the playoffs anymore, or carry that the NHL. Contract. You know, I know ESPN has that big contract. So maybe the ESPN didn't want to hire him, and and he's looking at this as a chance to 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 transition in his career. But hey, wish him well either way. But you know, I I always think of the. I always go back to the to the, the Rob Ray and him meme right there in the locker, you know, in between the, yeah. the stalls there. It always makes me laugh. But hey, I, I don't have a problem with Pierre, and I wish him the best of luck. Yeah, it's uh, it's I've I've had friends that have uh, had correspondence with Pierre McGuire, and they've all had nothing but good things to say. And you know, he's a great hockey mind, and mm-hmm. you know what? He's you know he's on the you know, I think. Ottawa's on the verge of something really special there. They have a yes. lot of young talent. I'm not a big fan of Matt Murray as the goalie, mm-hmm. but you know what? You know, it's been proven so many times in the past that if you build the right team in front of your goaltender, you can win with mm-hmm. above average, above average goaltending. You don't need mm-hmm. elite goaltending to win Stanley Cups. You don't need a Vasilevsky. You don't need a Carey Price. You know, Chicago's a perfect example. They have three cups with Antti Niemi and Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford. You know, and ask, and ask Minnesota how they feel about Corey Crawford because I'm exactly. pretty sure Minnesota got put out of the playoffs five years in a row or four out of five years by Corey Crawford. And every Corey Bleep and you know, Crawford. Well, you know, he got the job done and, and made the plays when he needed to make the plays, and he's got some Stanley Cup rings to prove it. That's true, that's right. Um, just real quick, obviously, they yeah. went on their boat parade here today. Go over quick. I know that one's a little blurry, but uh, that's probably the type of same blur they were seeing over today. <laughs> I love it. A lot of stuff. Great shirt. Great shirt. Yep. 18 yep. million over. <laughs> yeah. Love it. And then there's Kucherov in his post-game interview. The nice. fans in Montreal acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Their final was last series. <laughs> you love to see it. You love to see it. And this picture right here is amazing. Greatest shirt. Greatest picture ever. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. The Lince hey, I got to tell you this. Side. Now, I sent you that picture on request from my good – I saw that posted on my good friend, not to take any credit away, from my good friend Ian Braun, used to play for me. So, Braun, if you ever catch this, I snapped her off your uh, Facebook and sent her over to Dwayne because it's one of my all-time favorites. But correct me if I'm wrong, Tom Brady did say he can't throw the Stanley Cup from one boat to another. No, you can't. You can't. That's too big of a trophy. And I think I think <laughs> hockey fans around the world would lose their collective minds. That's right. If, uh, you're throwing the. And then this is my favorite picture right here. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I didn't see that till just now. It's the first Vasilevsky, time. Vasilevsky wearing the uh, wearing the Conn Smud as a helmet. That is unbelievable. Awesome. unbelievable. Hey man, listen when you when you go down to, when you're Champa Bay and you win three titles inside of twelve months, you can pretty much yeah, do whatever, do whatever you want. the hell you want. Yeah, and, I you believe know, it. Good for them, man. Have a few pops and, you know, and do whatever it is you do down there and stuff. And we all know Tom Brady was somewhere in around there. And I, I don't know about you guys. I don't know how I feel about that. So, um, you know, Tom, Tom, you be you be safe out there. But if you, you know, if you hurt your ankle or something, being dumb walking on the dock, I don't think anybody here yeah. in Buffalo would, would bitch or complain. 
Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, this has been, uh, you know, thanks again, Danny, for joining. Um, I don't want to keep you here for too long. Um, again, you know, rest in peace, Matisse. Rest yeah. in peace, Kivy. Uh, unbelievable kid. I'm so happy we were able to get here on uh, talk a little bit of the Stanley Cup here. Well, Dwayne, one thing I want to touch on that we did, we we talked about before, we didn't get a chance to talk about, it, and I think it'd be fun to just kind of talk about it. Is I don't know if you've touched on on previous shows, and forgive me if you have, but just rebringing this up about the the the, the Donnie uh, Granado hire. You know, wanted to kind of touch yeah. on that for a second, and yeah, I get, can do your, it for a get your take on that and what you think. I like it. I like it. I, I think Don Granado, he really was able to get through to some of these players. And I think his the best case he made for himself, Brad Coach, was definitely Casey Middlestad. Uh his his reemergence into uh you know into being you know you know a serviceable top six player. Mm-hmm. Um I think that right there is what you know, is probably the biggest case he made for himself and just his history and player development, especially in the U S national development program. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got a great resume. So I was fine with the hire. The only, the only other guy I wanted over Donnie, uh, Donnie meatballs was probably Andre Tarini, who obviously was recently uh, signed by uh, Arizona to be their head coach. I was a big fan of Tarini and the Ottawa 67s Mm -hmm. and team Canada. I thought he just like Donnie knows how to get through to those younger, those younger kids. So um, I'm happy with the Don Granado signing. Yeah, I, I I would say that um, you know I don't think it's a bad hire, right? I, I I have an interesting take on it. You know I do, and 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 maybe your listeners agree or disagree. I I've been asked a lot, you know, obviously what I think about it. Listen, Donnie Granado is a good hire, but I think that um, uh, you know Kevin Adams really forced to kind of take him, right? Because Donnie did so well. How do you let that guy go? You kind of got to take him because if he hires someone mm-hmm. else and that guy fails, everybody in Buffalo is going to say exactly. well, Donnie Granado. So exactly. that's my only take on that. He's a great player development guy. The guys really like playing for him. You're right on Casey Middlestad. I will say this. I think Casey should have stayed. Yeah, Darlene too. Down you did too. mention that. But I do think that uh, Casey's biggest problem was he left the U too early. Yeah, right? He, he should have right stayed in Minnesota. Sure. I've said that a hundred times. He should have stayed, stayed in Minnesota. Minnesota. You and I have never talked about that. And we both agree on that. So, mm-hmm. But um, was- hey, listen, I hope he does well here in Buffalo. Welcome to Buffalo, Donnie. And, uh, you know, like I just, I think Kevin made a safe hire there. If it doesn't yep. work, he can go back to the drawing board. And, and at and, least he went through the process too. Like yes. you said, he went through the process. He knows, he you know, you know, he knows some of the names and, yep. you know, he went off the board and people, people, some people would say it was off the board, but he didn't hire a Rick Tockett, like a yeah. kind of retread head coach, like a Bruce Boudreaux, nothing against those guys, but I think yeah, Bruce, you know, Bruce is 70 years old. I mean, yeah. it's, he would have been the oldest coach EHL. Would have liked to have seen him go after Nate Lehman down in Providence. There's a name I like. Nate's connected out there with Seth Appert as well, our good Rochester guy, good development guy, another, another, uh, you know, USA type guy. So maybe there's a connection there with Donnie. I don't know, mm-hmm. but but listen, either way, hey, hopefully the Sabres get this thing turned in the right direction. And we got all summer. So if you ever want to call me back again, we can go Absolutely. out here and talk about it all well, summer. Oh, no, I can't wait, man. I, I I hope we can have you on as a, a, re, a, a consistent reoccurring guest. I love talking sure. to you, Denny. And let's get on the golf course soon, buddy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, again, guys, thank you, Denny uh, Canfield. If you want to get, get at him, get, uh, his uh, handle on Twitter is right there, at Denny Canfield, D-E-N-N-Y-C-A-N-F-I-E-L-D, or at 716sportsmanagement at gmail.com. Um, you know, I know that's a big company. We can we have another episode to talk about that in the future. Sure. Uh, but, I, I, again, I can't wait for, you know, the opportunities that are come here with you, Denny, and I appreciate you coming on and talking about Matisse's story. Anytime, man. 
right. Enjoy the show. I'll be in touch. Thanks very much. Absolutely, everybody. This has been episode 67 of Two Goalies, One Mike signing off. We have a huge guest on tap this week. We expect to have on, as a surprise, projected first overall pick, Owen Power, is expected to be on the show nice. this week with Two Goalies, One Mike. Yep. Cannot wait. Should be a should be a blast. Can't wait to talk to Owen. So uh, that'll be on tap. Um, just stay tuned. We'll have it up here sometime this week. And until next time, you guys enjoy your week. Let's go to the Blue Hotel I want to live at the Blue Hotel The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker it's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.